Perfect. Sorry, boys. I just had to uh, change Classic. into something more comfortable. Perfect. Classic. That's beautiful. For video only fans, uh, you need to find a YouTube or find uh, what Joe is wearing right now. For those who are listening to audio, right? Craig, tell the history of the robe. It is the Ric Flair Nature Boy Joe Joe robe, which has followed him through through WrestleManias, (laughs) through decades of wrestling events. Joe. Through Anna. You made that 93 or 94? 93, right? I want to say that I made this in uh, 93. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, a little bit of a, a little bit of morbid story, I suppose. Like this is, uh, this is, was my grandmother's robe uh, that Aww. she made. Uh, this, uh, the, the velvet magenta robe. I then had my mom sew because I was 13 or 15 and didn't know how to sew. Um, had my mom put white feather boas on everything. We put some little puff paint on the back. And uh, the, the Ric Flair robe was made, you know? So when we did the R Wrestling Federation, the OWF, uh, we actually wrestled in my backyard. We built a legit 19 by 19 foot ring. And Joe was the nature boy. Joe, last name, I uh, don't know if I want to say that, uh, but he was the nature boy. And uh, this is the robe that he wore in 1993 and on when we did wrestling. Uh, he graduated college and put this robe on and walked across the stage in this robe so it's an honor joe what's up guys our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode this is dave vicious along with jess the total package craig the british bulldog joe oh sorry nature boy joe and cuz giving you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling no inside sources no ties to the industry just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you uh can someone feed me today's topic Dave, we're going to do it. Of we're going to do it, Dave. We're going to do the legacy really of Ric Flair, if oh you can believe my. that shit. Whew. This is gonna I don't know. Be, I, I know we've already Joe gave said, you on the podcast, but uh, I wanted to do this for Joe because I knew we were going to have him on. And I'm, I was disappointed with our uh, 100th episode review, and I own that 100%. It has nothing to do with anybody on this call. I hated the Hogan uh, legacy. Brother. Um, I hated the Stone Cold legacy because I, I left out obvious oh. stuff. And so I shied away from the big legends like Hogan, Flair, and uh, Austin because I was like and, – and I don't even want to talk about The Rock because I was like, there's no way we can do it. And I don't want to do a three-hour episode or four-hour episode. It's ridiculous. I don't want to do two-parter anymore. We did two-parter with Randy Savage, and I liked it, but it was okay. But So I've been – this is all me. It's not you guys. It's all me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to redo. And when I knew Joe started wanting to come on the podcast and, and do everything, and we did a Clash of the Champions review with him, and I was very happy with that, uh, I was like, I want to do the legacy of Ric Flair, and I want to reinvent um, the way I do legacies. So that's why I decided to do this. And I, I'm excusing Dave um, for this, and I'm going to take over the ride of this one um, because I want to guide this and I hope this is going to be the new format. So that way big legends like Ric Flair and Hogan and all them, we can do this and not uh, torture you for four hours. That's my goal. For audio fans, give us this on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Anchor Google podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube and our, our wrestling channel. Can you also do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or on Facebook, soon to be meta, at our wrestling podcast. Um, <laughs> that's always going to make Cuz laugh. I love it. He's a big meta fan. Cuz can't wait to join. Um, so, yeah, it's 20. So, 
Are we gonna fucking do this? I, I mean, I, I'm gonna take. Are we really gonna go there? Really Uh, gonna? And I gotta prove this thing. So, uh, the main thing that I changed about the way I wrote this legacy was it's going to promote more involvement from you guys, rather than going from beginning to end. He was born here. He was born there. We're gonna do some of that stuff, but instead of going all the way in chronological order, I'm going to break it up into like topics, like his early life, his world championship wins, uh, why he got some of his nicknames, like the 60 minute man. Uh, things like that, his greatest feuds and who they're with, and then we can fill in the blanks here. So I'm not, I'm am going to go in chronological order, but I'm not going to go, uh, you know, religiously like we always do, bam, 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 like all the way down, and then do a f- fucking nine hour episode. Uh, you, can't, easy, you can't do it with Rick. Anyway. This easily can do that. So I'm going to jump in. I only yeah. relieve Dave, not because Dave is not the greatest host of all time, because Dave is the greatest host of all time, and he belongs <laughs> in that role here. Fuck you, Dave. Even though you get it. Uh, so, uh, so I want to just I want to guide this uh, for the first time, like I much did the Hogan episode, and I want to try to reinvent our legacy. So here we go. We're gonna start in the early life of Richard Morgan Flair, which was his adopted name. He was born on February the twenty fifth of nineteen forty nine in Memphis, Tennessee, not Charlotte, North Carolina, folks. Um, his real name was never fully fully realized. He was adopted as I said before, um, although it's believed his real name was either Fred Phillips, Fred Damari, or Fred Stewart. Nobody really knows. Um, but the, one of the, one of those three names yeah. is the real name of Richard Flair. Uh, no he was uh, a, computerized records back then, folks. No. <laughs> right. So now we're going to jump to, he was a really good amateur wrestler in high school, by the way, uh, but he adopted the ring name of Rick Flair, spelled R-I-C, last name F-L-A-I-R, and debuted for the AWA of all promotions on December the 10th, 1972. Uh, he was also trained by Vern Gagne. Take your pills, Chris. He, he was the orny, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was also trained by Vern Gagne. We know what pills that is too, by the way. Uh, he was trained by Vern Gagne, who was the owner of the AWA, and it was the same training camp as the Iron Sheik, Ken Patera, Jim Brunzel, and the son of Vern, Greg. Uh, he made a, uh, he also made appearances in 1973 for the AWA on talent exchanges. In 1974, he left the AWA for Jim Crockett's Mid-Atlantic Territory under the NWA umbrella. And we all know that's kind of where he made his name. Um, his first title was the Mid-Atlantic Television Championship, which he won from Paul Jones in 1975. On October 4th of 1975, Flair was involved in a plane crash that almost ended his early career. Also on the plane was Johnny Valentine, who was paralyzed for life. Uh, Mr. Wrestling, who was badly injured, but checked himself out of, out of the hospital that night as to not give his identity away because that's how people uh, protected their professional wrestling careers. He did not want the press to know who he really was or see him without the mask. So he checked himself out of the hospital after a fucking plane crash. Uh, Bob <laughs> well, seems dangerous. It's fun. Totally normal. Craig, whatever. Um, wow. Bob Brugers and David Crockett were also on that plane. The pilot died on impact. Um, Flair broke his back in three places and was told he would never wrestle again and would have limited mobility. However, Flair said, I don't like that. Uh, so he conducted a uh, rigorous physical therapy schedule and came back to the ring just three months later, where he resumed a feud with Walt McDaniel in January 1976. And the plane crashed and killed the pilot. He lived for a year, but never regained right. consciousness. Valentine 
paralyzed from the waist down. Well, Bob, break this down for me, man. Oh, uh, I forgot. The other guy in our class was Bob Bruggers. Okay, Bob Bruggers last night. I guess the plane was going 230, 260 miles an hour. When it hit the ground. Stop. Yeah. Sudden stop. Yeah. So there, the plane crash happens. Yeah. Well, what, the speedometer, what, what the speedometer is, on a plane, yeah. uh, when a crash was stuck at 230. That's how fast we're going down. Okay. Three minutes later, he breaks his back. So he comes back. Uh, I, I just want to give you a breather, Jess, but I... We always talked about this, and, and Joe might be able to give us a little bit more insight on it too. But I, I, I always see this um, kind of like you know, uh, it, you know, an adhesion on Flair's back has to be from the plane crash or something around it. And I always believe that from this point going forward, Flair never takes the bump straight on his back. Whenever he goes yeah. up high, he always takes it on his side every single time. Um, probably prolonged his career, plane crash or not. But I wonder if that's part of it. And Joe, maybe you can kind of, kind of jump in on that what do you think i mean uh that's definitely like that definitely had to have an impact on it i mean like but no true insight on that right like we don't know for sure i mean if you if you read uh like most like like insights on it uh he flair had a different style uh of wrestling prior to uh the plane crash that he did afterwards prior he was a little bit more of like an aggressive like brawler style wrestler afterwards it was definitely more of a you know, like pseudo technical wrestling, um, a little bit more heelish, I think that's a little crazy, bit more right? like because uh, most wrestlers you know, a little like, bit more of like a like a selling persona as opposed to an, like an aggression or like an like an offensive persona. I think it's cr- that's crazy because like most of the time the selling personas are a lot more physically demanding on the heel, whereas like a brawler. Yeah. Usually when guys get older, they adopt the brawling technique or whatever because they're like, well, I don't want to leave my feet. I don't want to take a bump. I don't want to do that. And they do the brawling. So, I, I, Joe, that's a great call out because I was, like, thinking the same thing, going, like, he went the opposite. Like, he went, like, the opposite of what a, a guy with an injury should do. He went to right. more of a salesmanship and more of a bumping guy. Well, and, like, and, and that might have been the fact that, like, you know, like, as a, as a seller, like, you uh, – uh, like if you're selling the moose, you have a little bit maybe more control over what you're doing, you know. So it's like it's like, yeah, you're giving yourself like you have to trust the other person, but like you decide how you fall, you decide how you take the bump, yeah. you decide yeah. how uh, you know, like you like you have a little, maybe a little bit more control. Is about the only uh, idea that I can come up with that like at least on like what I've read with like the books and like the mm-hmm. you know, the other kind of like inside stuff that uh, um, that kind of deals with that topic. And that makes a lot of sense. Like even, I mean, heels traditionally called it in the ring anyway, but Flair was always known for he calling it anyway. So maybe that was partly um, part of it too, is he protected himself, heel or not, calling it and making sure he was, he controlled it. And like Joe said, he he would adopt a different ring style when he came back from the energy. He would adopt the style of the nature boy. And he took on that nickname uh, that was flamboyant, confident, and he loved the ladies. Uh, so after this, I want to get in. I just want to jump right in now uh, to his world championship wins. Um, in September of 1981, Flair defeated Dusty Rhodes to win the first of his 10 NWA world heavyweight championships. He basically owned that title from 1981 to 1991. Flair defeated Harley race to win his second NWA world championship at the first ever Starcade, November the 24th, 1983. I think that like, to me, like that should have been his first. And the referee in trouble right now. Here's Flair up on the top rope. He's got him down. One, two, two, three. He did it. He did it. Mick 
Flair has done it. No question about it. Rick Flair has just defeated Semines World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race. And there you see it, and I'm not even sure that Flair is even aware. Yes, he is. You can tell now. He realizes it. His goal has been reached. His great achievement in life in winning the World Heavyweight Championship. Like that was definitely his coming out party, you yes. know. Like, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I believe that his first his first run was as a heel, and the second run was as a face. Um, and so, you know, he's beating Harley Race, who was at that time seven time world champion or six time wow. world champion, whatever it was. Um, Harley Race super heel, you know. Like, and I I remember watching this eighty three eighty three Starcade match. Well, and, and there was like, the first. It was Joe, not to interrupt, but it was before WrestleMania. A lot of people consider WrestleMania, WrestleMania the first supercard. It was the Crockett promotion and the NWA that put on the first supercard, a Starcade, Starcade. Yeah. nineteen eighty three. Like that yeah. was their big deal. It's that was why a big deal. Vince, that was the first super. That was like essentially the first pay per view event ever for any. Yes, yeah, for wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and watch, and you know, after like like Flair definitely got like a hero's welcome on that. Like, I mean, all of the faces came out of the dressing room to come out into the cage. His wife came out. His kids came out. I mean, he definitely had a very Ricky Steamboat kind of moment, which, which I didn't. You like Ricky Steamboat, correct? I didn't really. <laughs> no, don't appreciate. start. I, even as a Flair fan, I didn't appreciate uh, the Ricky huh? Steamboat moment. What? I was like. Like the kids and the crying and the wife and you know whatever, I'm like and the horses. You know, nobody, no, nobody, nobody, nobody likes that sort of thing. And the donkey, uh, <laughs> like a donkey with painted stripes on the off side the of the rails, off the rails. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, I think I think you're right in terms of like that was like his his big moment. I mean that, and I think that was the NWA saying like, hey, we're gonna like it was a passing of the torch from from Harley Race. Who had been like who had been carrying the mantle for you know six seven title runs to Flair? Hey, we're giving you yeah. we're going to go with you. And not yeah, not, not to get too far crazy off track with the stuff, but you know on the other side of the world of wrestling uh, with Vince, it's one man making this decision who's going to go over for Flair yeah. to get to this position. This is a committee in sense saying this is our guy. Um, yes. He has to kind of sell everyone over to make this happen, which in my opinion is much harder to do. And for him to own that for the upside of 10 years, because he's bringing them into a whole nother stratosphere of success and money and, and booking. It says a lot about Flair early, really early on in, in their career of, of what he's established. That, no, that, that is a great point, Dave. Pretty we, impressive. We are going to get into that. It's a very good point. Uh, he would lose the belt to Dusty Rhodes, Kerry Von Erich, and Ron Garvin over the next three years, but ultimately regain the championship in the rematches, which is earlier I said he basically owned this title for the entire decade. Yeah. On May the 7th, 1989, Flair would regain the NWA World Championship and begin the seventh reign by defeating Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at Russell War in 1989. He lost to belt to Steamboat three months earlier at Chi-Town Rumble, which Craig thinks is every WCW pay-per-view from the early 90s <laughs> and <then> the <laughs> late 80s. That's true. On Fe- and he did that on February 10th, 1989. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Steamboat later, so I'm going to put a bookmark there. So trust me, we're going to get back to that. Uh, he would he would win his eighth world championship, which was the record at the time, uh, or actually I should say tying Harley Race by defeating Sting 
at a WCW house show on January the 11th, 1991. In the middle of that run, the NWA would, would withdraw from WCW and strip Flair of the title, thus making Flair the first ever WCW World Heavyweight Champion. On January the 19th, 1992, Flair would win his first WWF yes. championship by winning the Royal Rumble uh, and winning that title, which was vacant from the Hogan Undertaker match a couple months earlier. So I want to pause right there. I want to pause right here because uh, I don't put that much. We need to put emphasis on the fact that Flair goes to the enemy territory. Uh, we're going to talk about this Flair. Is amazing. We're going to talk about him a little bit later and what he meant to where I think that Flair really garnered his name uh, as the anti-Hogan and the anti-WWF. But here he finally goes to the WWF in 1992 and wins the Royal Rumble, which is one of their cooler marquee matches. And he wins the vacant WWF championship. So this guy for years was the anti-Hogan. For years was pitted against Hogan in Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines and all the media and, and the Dave Meltzer magazines and all that stuff and the newsletters, all that Bad stuff. There. And now he is in the WWF and uh, we'll talk about it. I want to hear you guys' comments on here because I know we were in my fucking living room uh, when this happened and my heart yeah. was broken. Uh, my heart was broken to a million pieces, uh, but he wins his first ever WWF World Championship, which was uh, really like a big it was a really big deal. I know people look back on it now in 2021. Uh, you know, everybody knows wrestling's predetermined and they give the titles out, whatever. But back here, for some reason, this hit differently. Joe, in 1992, when you told me to go fuck myself, and I don't know if that's the exact words that you used uh, in my living room. Uh, I don't when think they won the title. How did you bad. feel when Flair won the WWF Championship? In and looking from behind. Oh, Justice got rid of Hulk. Uh-oh. I don't like the looks of things now. There are no friends. There are no friends. Only enemies. Oh, is Hulk upset. He said, you stole my back. What the? What the? Look at this. Hulk's there. I mean, as a as a Flair fan, there was definitely like a vindication, you know, like there was definitely like a like or like like a validation. Um, Wow, like you know, like because there was always this like who's better who's better like is it is it is it nwa is it wwf and then you know like and like yeah who, what was the better promotion what was the better organization you know was it cart you know like was it uh was it characters and storyline or was it wrestling and like realism you know and like what was better and um and i feel like everybody kind of fell into two into two camps and i think flair i mean then there was always like like people like crossing back and forth between the two promotions but i think flair uh, crossing over was the was the first time. I mean, and even like I mean, Dusty You're Rose talking about a main eventer. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dusty Rhodes crossed over beforehand, but like yeah. never never really raised above a mid card. So he doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily count him, but like Flair crossing over and leaving the world champion, and then going over and becoming the world champion of the next organization, bringing the belt with him, and bringing the belt say, with yeah, him on top like, of yeah. that was yeah. I mean was a was a huge yeah. deal. Was a huge like spike i mean especially for vince to be like i mean vince had generally won at that point you know like you know like but like to then 
take the competition's best person and their belt and bring it over and then put his belt on the doom and then have that guy say, this is the only belt that matters. I mean, yeah. that, promo that, that promo that he cuts after Royal Rumble is iconic. Let's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's unreal. I mean, it's just, I mean, like, no, everything I've done, everything that I've become, you know, this is this the is thing the that moment. matters. All right, by virtue of winning the Royal Rumble, we have a brand new World Wrestling Federation champion as the press watches on at this time to present the title belt to the new champion, our president, the distinguished Jack Cuddy. Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after view distorting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all, with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. Yep. Way bigger deal. Yeah. And, so, because you wait, were wait. born in 1992, uh, tell me what. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were you're younger than us, cuz. So, like, uh, what uh, what is your first memories of Flair, actually? Because when it, you came to WWF, you started WWF, right? I didn't. I turn you on to WWF originally. Yeah, and that was like in uh, 88 or 89 when you did. And I actually seen this. I don't remember if I was actually there with you or if you had brought the tape over to our parents' house. But I actually remember seeing this at that time. And obviously, it's funny because I'm sitting there not realizing the significance of it with Flair uh, coming over to WWF. But I do remember the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble became one of my favorite matches because of that match, actually. And uh, a funny thing, too, he was actually in the... Uh, I'm just saying this part because I know he went back to WCW right after. He was actually in the uh, WWF Royal Rumble game uh, that came out on yeah. Super Nintendo in 93. He was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. It's a little random. Husky always random bring the game fact. piece into it. Love that. Oh, it's a little fun fact, you know? Yeah. Craig, no, any, any uh, I know you, I, I, you know? Craig, I'm pretty sure you're in my living room, I think, during Royal Rumble. I think we all I was Yeah, I'm sure we were. I mean, we're, it's 30 years in January that this happened, right? Uh, yeah. 92. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even now, 30 years later, you can see uh, we we still say the sayings. We still say put that cigarette out. We still say tear in my <laughs> eye. Yeah. Uh, you still remember the intensity of Flair when he's walking down the ring. Um, Bobby Heenan. It's it's the greatest kind of. I mean, it was all about Flair that entire night. But it was the greatest presentation of uh, one man coming in and and telling that story and being the longest entrant. It was just it was pitch yeah. perfect from beginning to end, and it holds up. I mean, holy shit, we're old. Thirty years. Yeah. yeah. So on That's July cool. the 18th, 1993, Ric Flair would defeat Barry Windham to win his ninth NWA World Championship at WCW Bash of the Beach 93. This was a watered-down version of what the NWA title used to be. We talked sure. about it before. Uh, still counts, Jess. Still counts. It, it does still count, yes, because the, the <laughs> NWA board brought it back. So they brought it back in 1992. Masahiro Chono would win it from a tournament. Uh, the Great Muda would defeat uh, Chono. And then uh, Barry Windham would defeat the Great Muda at That's Super Bowl right. 1993 in February. And then Flair would come back to the promotion. And after his no-compete clause wore off, he challenged Barry Windham to win his ninth NWA World Championship at WCW Beach. Like I said, at Starcade 1993, Flair would defeat Vader to win his second WCW World Championship. Oh, down he goes! 
Uh, on March the 14th, 1999, Flair would win his third WCW World title by defeating Hollywood Hogan at Uncensored 99. Those are his most notable Ooh. title defenses. We're going to talk so about it. You're up to 13 now, right? We're, we're, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that in the end or whatever. Oof. But I left some of them out. You know, of course, I skipped over the Garvin and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Not that that's not important. Dude, I, I'm, I with you. Like, I'm, just count, I'm just counting the numbers. Yeah. On the, on There's the a huge dispute as to how many titles the man's actually won. We'll get to that later. Uh, now I want to get on to his nicknames, the 60 minute man and kind of the anti WWF Hulk Hogan guy due to the demanding nature of the NWA uh, world championship flair developed a style that would allow him to go from territory to territory and highlight their top talent. In other words, like flair had to go to Florida and take on Butch Reed. He had to go to the Carolinas and take on the junkyard dog. And I'm not shitting on those talent, but Ric Flair as the champion as a heel had to develop a style that would go into each territory around the country and be like, okay, I'm not going to lose the world title necessarily. I mean, he would lose it to, you know, Von Eric and stuff like that when it made sense, but like he would have to defend the title and it'd be a lot of 60 minute matches. It'd be a lot of DQ schmosses and all that stuff. But it, you think about it, think about his everyday lifestyle. He wrestled every single day of the week. He even said twice on Sundays, most of the time. So he'd wrestle eight times a week. You got to fit travel into that shit. You had to somehow fit partying and gym work into that shit. You know, so he had to go. We don't remember that. Well, we do. But I'm talking about like in general as fans today in 2021. Yeah. Um, we don't remember what the territory style was like. It was very different. When we grew up with WWF, we were accustomed to this bubble and Vince accustomed to this one thing. It's just one promotion. That's it. That's it. We have one champion. The NWA was legitly a territory that would go state to state, territory to territory, and Flair was the universal champion, but had to put their local babyface or whoever over. So he had to go there and fight a junkyard dog who, I'm, I'm sorry, no offense, rest in peace, was not the caliber of a Flair or somebody like no, that. But no, Flair no, no. and make that 20-minute or 30-minute match a barn burner, and it somehow ended in a draw or disqualification. And he, to make you want to get tickets to come see him when he came back around in the loop. And that's so, you know, that's why he got the 60 minute man monk here. And he got like the territory master kind of nickname from that point, because that's, that was the difference from Hogan and the championship in WWF versus Ric Flair. He had to go around the loop. It was so many, we don't remember that anymore. And I, again, I say we, I don't remember, I don't necessarily talk about the people on this call, but we as fans in 2021, there are a lot of people that don't remember what the territories were about. It, it, it's all about the chase, you know, where like it WWF is. was like, it's gonna be. it was, it was Hercules. It was, you know, WWF, WWF was uh, Greek, uh, like, uh, like Greek mythology. It was Hercules battling monsters, you know, Hogan, battling monsters every every night yeah. where where nwa was the heel the heel or you know like the bad guy just outsmarting or just escaping uh the good guy every sing every single time and you know like and that's what kept you coming back the next time you're like he's gonna get him next time he's gonna, he's next gonna time. get him next time and you every know? six months to oh. a year they would now i want to go to his uh feuds and matches uh there we go and the first thing I want to bring up here is Harley Race. I think that's a guy we should bring up for Flair. Uh, Flair's most important world title, in my opinion, came from Harley Race. Um, it highlighted Rick on the first annual Supercard, which is Starcade. I mentioned that earlier. Um, 
both shared the same worth ethic and passion for being world champion, which I think was important. And that set the, the tone for Ric Flair's reign over that 10 years. Um, the, the feature matches that I think you should go back and watch from Flair and Race is the one from Starcade 83 in November. Go back and watch that. I think it's worth um, talking about. Uh, the next opponent that I want to mention from the Flair legacy is Dusty Rhodes. Um, I think their chemistry was literally made for each other. Rhodes was the common man, the every guy face, and then Flair was the dirty, rich heel. He was fucking limousine riding, jet flying. They were, yeah, he was the piece of shit. Uh, they, they, their chemistry was so made for each other. Flair was the natural antagonist to Rhodes. The fact that they did get a little jealous of each other behind the scenes further fueled their rival on screen. Great matches that you guys should go and watch is uh, from the Greater Bash, excuse me, Great American Bash 1986, 19, Jesus Christ, Great Jeez. American Bash 1986 of July the 26th, where Dusty Rhodes would defeat Flair for the title. However, Flair would shortly win it back. So the next feud I want to talk about and the next opponent of Flair is, uh, I know Joe and I make jokes back and forth. However, uh, we do got to get a little bit serious about talking about this rivalry. It's against Ricky Steamboat. And their rivalry began oh. over the U.S. title back in 1977. That's, That's the crazy. year I was born. Only Craig year, was alive. That's ridiculous. The year I was born, they were fighting over the United States Heavyweight Championship. In 1989, Steamboat came to the NWA and challenged Flair for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. From February to May in 1989, they gave us three matches that are still talked about to this day. And, and it's, it's like a measuring stick. Uh, the matches you should watch from Flair versus Steamboat is from February the 20th, 1989 at Chi-Town Rumble, Craig's favorite pay-per-view. Uh, on <laughs> Next match is April the 2nd, 1989 from Clash of the Champions 6. They are two out of three falls match. And May the 7th, 1989 at Russell War in 1989, uh, to me, is the best of the three matches and widely regarded as one of the greatest wrestling uh, matches in American history. Uh, and then also worth noting, April 17th, 1994 at WCW Spring Stampede. Not one of their best matches, but still, how bad are you going to get when you're talking about Flair and Steamboat? Um, really, like, I, again, I know Joe and I well, make jokes back and forth, but these guys were fucking made to wrestle each other. Like, well, just, with all, due, with all this, due respect to yeah. the, the jokes that you guys make about Steamboat, it's it's pre-match stuff. It's bringing in well, too Well, Joe much. hates donkeys. Let's start off with that. <laughs> and Tony, that's true. That, that, that's true. I don't. I don't. Joe, Joe I don't has like a thing about well, or or well, cowboy hats. Showboating your kids before the match starts has everything to do with it, right? So, I, I mean, Joe, but Joe, in all seriousness, has a problem with like strutting in your kids and trying to make your kid a part of the story. And it's like, no, like it doesn't need it doesn't need that for one. But then when the bell rings, I'm sure there's nothing to joke about uh, with that. And it's Ricky Steamboat. I mean. I, I haven't seen Rick Steamboat lately, but I feel like he can go right now. I really do. Like yeah, we saw him Jericho. wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him That's wrestle uh, 20 years after he retired, and he, he was still, you know, coming off the top rope and doing what he does. And um, Rick, Rick Steamboat is is, is is a worthy opponent of anyone. Uh, Macho is amazing, but yeah. they have one of the greatest WrestleMania matches ever. Still in the show, WrestleMania. I've been talking about the Dave. Calm down. I know, but I'm just saying, like it's it, you know, Rick Steamboat's out there. Rick Steamboat. Is is one of the greatest people to have the honor of wrestling, and Ric Flair and Ricky together is just it's pure gold, man. They're I mean, they're amazing. Steamboat's got him up, a slam, but Flair inside cradle one two.
They started in 77. So you, th- you figure That's two decades cool. later, it all culminated into the best series of matches, maybe professional wrestling history, two decades of working together. And they're at kind of both at their peak. And much like Dusty Rhodes, you have kind of good versus evil, hardworking family man, a humble humility versus flash, nature boy, bang anything that moves, jet flying. <laughs> so it's it yeah, very similar yeah, to the same to, to Dusty Rhodes. Uh, and Flair could could tell any of those stories. It was so easy for him to morph into whatever story you want to tell him from a heel standpoint. And to watch those styles where Dusty was a big boy and it was elbows and brawling back and forth. Steamboat was a completely different, different set of matches as who could out cardio each other, who could out wrestle and out technical and just how many roll ups can you get? Yeah, it was, I mean, just gorgeous, gorgeous wrestling that if you lived through that period, uh, you were lucky you were to, to see it, to see it and to, to watch it and eat to be eager to watch 60 minute matches. Of, yeah. Uh, they're, they're wrestle more 89 match. Um, May the 7th, 89, to me is like, I can still watch that this day and be like, Jesus Christ. Like, these guys <laughs> just know, they understand what each other's going to do. They don't even think about it. Like, it's yeah. just, it's it's art. I, I, I'd wonder how many times they face each other over the years, house shows, whatever. It's, and it's Well, Flair, in his book, Flair said, the funny thing is, is so many people, her- like, they herald the 89 War Games, uh, or, or excuse me, Wrestle War matches, the best match. Flair's like, we had matches on house shows that no cameras were rolling. Only the live audience saw that were twenty times better, several times. Yeah, I, 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 I have like, no Jesus problem. Christ, like Man, I didn't even think about that. back then. Yeah, just having fun. Uh, so I uh, want to go on to uh, another so opponent good. of his, um, and it's Sting. Um, Flair has called Sting his greatest opponent. I disagree. Uh, I think Steamboat is his greatest wrestling opponent. But go. I'm going to listen to the master, Ric Flair, and he says yep. Sting is his greatest opponent. Uh, Flair made Sting's career in so many different ways. Um, their rival began at the first clash of the champions in 1988 and continued until WCW was bought out in 2001. Uh, they wrestled each other on the very first nitro in 1995 and the very last nitro in 2001. Oh, that's right. Um, there are so many uh the, the matches that there are you guys should go look up is uh march 27th 1988 the first clash of the champions was for 60 minute draw july the 7th 1998 the great american bash uh where sting won the heavyweight championship from flair here comes Flair, going for the figure four. Sting's got it, inside cradle, the DPO, yes! A new heavyweight champion of the world has been crowned. Sting has upset Rick Flair to win the heavyweight championship of the world. The Stinger has done it. The Stinger has done it. Flair, uh, September the 4th of 1995, the very first Nitro ever, and March the 26th, 2001, the final Nitro. Sting definitely deserves a place. They they did uh, gel together well. Flair made his career. 
And and Flair or sorry, excuse me, Sting has said that on so many different occasions. He's like, dude, Flair made me. Like, there's no way from the the Thank first you. Clash of the Champions that hour draw with the green guy. Not only did that show that Flair was fantastic, but they put that clash, like I said earlier uh, in our previous episode, against WrestleMania, um, up against WrestleMania four. And yeah. so they were so confident in a green Sting against a pro like Flair right. in an hour match. And they tore the house down. And well, already, uh, uh, Flair's confident too in it, not just yes, uh, yes. Amazing. You see the book and they, they got a, and they got a massive rating. So Sting absolutely has a place. You guys' thoughts on Sting? Not even, Flair. not even a question. Well, well I, mean, I think that uh, I think that like I mean, looking at those last three opponents, like and like looking at Flair's uh, response to like that Sting is his best opponent. I mean, that might be the case. Like I think that Steamboat might be his best technical opponent. Like. The like best, that. the best in ring work was actually Steamboat. You look at Dusty Rhodes. I think that Dusty Rhodes and Flair, their best work wasn't in the ring; it was their promos against each other. Yes, like, uh, like you thought this like, through, Joe. You know, like, like I mean, all of their their common man versus wealthy man, like I mean, all of that yeah. stuff is amazing. Where Sting, I think, is a hybrid of both of those things. Like Sting wasn't as good as Steamboat in the in the ring, and he wasn't as good as Dusty on the mic. But Better I think the, I think that I think the fuse they had overall. over the decade or whatever that they did um, was what was uh, like captivated captivated the generation really um, you know like uh, that the, they could ha- they could put on like like amazing matches and they could have promos that like went back and forth and that sold everything because I mean Steam I mean let's be let's face it Steamboat on the mic is not so good. Why are you going uh, back to Dusty, the steamboat? We're talking about Sting. Yeah. Dusty in the <laughs> ring. Not so good. Sting, Sting, was, like, and Sting, Sting was, was good, but he but Sting was an amazing hybrid Sting of those, yeah. those two styles. And I think yeah. that's why yeah, that's I can I can I can see Flair saying like that yeah. that was probably the best opponent was because like he got he got the best that was the best money. Yeah. So let's go on to the next uh, opponent, Lex Luger. I wanted to throw in there. Uh, and Luger, sorry. It's on. a perfect example of how Flair Flair knew how to play to his opponent's strength. I think Luger was a perfect representation of how what Flair did in the territories, like the decade before. Um, Flair made Luger's career in a lot of ways. We talk about how he made Sting's career. I think he made Luger's career in a lot of ways too. The notable matches was July 10th, 1988 at the Great American Bash, uh, December the 26th, 1998 Starcade, and May 19th, 1990 at Capital Combat. Uh, you know, I don't want to go too long in Lex Luger, and I don't mean that to be rooting against Luger. We've actually played tribute to Luger on the legacy of Lex Luger, and we've talked about him in past. We've talked about you know, surprising matches against Brian Pillman in past episodes. Um, so, But Lex Luger, to me, deserves a point in Flair's legacy. Like, that was a big deal for Did he Flair. ever take a title off Flair? Negative. No, and yeah. he should have. Oh, I think he should have. You can I move on. Uh, <laughs> the next match I want to go to, uh, the, next, the next opponent, I should say, is Terry Funk. Um, amazing that these two wrestlers never really clashed until 89 funk, a former NWA world heavyweight champion back with his brother back in the seventies. And they never really clashed with each other uh, until their 1989, uh, match that they had. It's kind of a trilogy. It was great American bash, a tag match at Halloween havoc. And then their final match at clash nine in the, I quit match. Uh, to me, that's still amazing. That match, the psychology should be studied by wrestling schools everywhere, uh, from that match. Notable matches from that feud, November the 20th, 89, the I Quit match is the match you should go and see. Great American Bash 89 is great as well, but I think you should watch the I Quit match. Uh, real quick, you guys want to talk on that or you want to keep going? No I disrespect just, no disrespect against Terry Funk or anything like that. 
No, I, 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 I love Flair for kind of bringing Terry Funk to a wider audience, I think, here. Uh, I think Good this call. Was the that's a great that's I think a that's great, a great, uh, I think that's great assessment. This is the beginning of where Terry Funk kind of got his immortality and could walk through the smoke a little bit and become someone that was known, I think, in the locker rooms and stuff. But uh, And I said it in a previous podcast, I love these unorthodox matches that Flair had with Funk. Um, but it also led to Flunk's kind of Funk's kind of ECW kind of reckless and then Chainsaw Charlie and then what he is now, just this <laughs> unstoppable yeah. legend. Uh and man who will never die. Um He's wrestling tomorrow so. somewhere, I heard. <laughs> yeah, he probably, probably is. <laughs> I'm just playing. He's wrestling with life, Dave, at this point. Yeah. Hey, whoa. And that's <laughs> I mean, a good right. I mean, what a life he's lived, right? Yeah. Old Bike can barely walk. All right. He's retired by 20 times. Those knees. All right. And that's bone on bone. The Depending next, uh, next opponent the is uh, is somebody I, I probably should have saved till last, but I'm going to bring him up no, now. No, is Hulk, no, you can cut to this it, it, is Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although they never lived up to the hype in our own minds, and let's right. face it, you know the Nobody magazines, the magazines and the dirt sheets hyped them up so great in the '80s, you know, and they finally clashed. Flair and Hogan actually they clashed quite a few times, but oh. uh, they never lived up to the fact that the the, the great debate, who's better, Hogan or Flair. I think you have to look at their body of work and then give your opinion on that. You can't look at any one match because they were like oil and water a lot. And uh, that, yeah, they couldn't work well together. You just, you didn't think that, you know, they faced each other at house shows in the WWF in late yep. 1991, but never on pay-per-view. Uh, what a nice short left, huh? No, that's got to be one through the net. Two. Three. Hulkamania stands in Woo! I can't believe that. Wait a minute, we can we can check that out. From my vantage point, I can nah, see. Nah, nah, nah. Yes, yes, nah. look at that. There's something in the back of his tights. Nah. Mr. Perfect handed something up. Ladies and gentlemen, there's definitely something here there. Here is your winner, Rick Flair. There's a real world champion, McMahon. I love to hear that. The winner, Rick Flair. Can't believe this. Ric Flair. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Officials coming in. <laughs> Hang in a minute. They found it. 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 They uh, Hogan and Flair. Because saw the house shows. That's why. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were good house shows, but not, oh, my God, house shows. Uh, Hogan and Flair was used to introduce Hogan and WCW, which I think was the best strategy that Eric Bischoff had, to be honest with you. Uh, Flair was one of the main reasons why Hogan agreed to come, come to WCW in the first place. Uh, matches that you should go back and watch was December 29, 1991 in a Madison Square Garden house show. It's on the old school archives in 1991. It's just kind of cool to see Hogan and Flair fight in WWF. And then July 17th, 1994, at Bash of the Beach in 1994. To me, that was probably their best match, if you had to, to name a best match. Uh, October 23rd, 1994, WCW Halloween Havoc and Steel Cage. It was a retirement match. Um, February the 21st, 1999, WCW Super Bowl 9 uh, was another good match. And then another notable match with Flair would win the world title from Hogan, like I said earlier, at Uncensored of 99. You know, yeah, uh, the two, yeah. arguably the two biggest wrestlers of the 80s and 90s. Uh, I can't say any of these matches stand you know, out. I was going to say, you have a lot of recommended matches for oil and water. And well, for sure, but I mean, I think I think you have they're, to give it to they're, 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 they're matches to go back and like 
it's know, Hogan and Flair. Check out, and, and like, yeah, it's it's just it's amazing uh, to me. I I think I had the most gonna, matches uh, because of the fact. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch something else. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> you do that, bud. Fair you should go back and rewatch Flair. You should go back and rewatch Flair and Funk. You give it a fucking A. You fucking weird. You know, you know what's uh, <laughs> what still bad what about a lot of people that. forget uh, about. Wait, but Jet, let me ask you a question. Uh, I guess to the group and to, to you especially, Jess. Like, I think this what what would have happened if we would have seen Hogan and Flair WrestleMania eight, and how would that have changed history and maybe mm. that match if you would have? Uh, think about I don't it. think. Together. I don't think it would not have added any quality. But I really truly do think that it would added more to the like validity of their I, I think it would have somehow put a period on the end of that sentence that yeah. few uh i it would not have been a better quality match for sure but i think it should have happened i think that it, it just shows the balls on vince right i think we always say what a mistake when i hear people say that a lot of people nowadays will say what a mistake and i'm like I, dude I it just showed the balls on vince vince is like i don't need that like in other no, words, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's with the mistake, steroid trial and all the stuff that was happening at the end of '92 or the beginning. Uh, sorry, at the end of '91 and beginning of '92, Vince knew these guys in their fucking 40s are not going to save my promotion or redefine pro wrestling. I pulled Slayer over to stab WCW. That's all I did, and he brought the belt on my show. That's all I fucking wanted. And Everything then he eventually else, said that Flair yeah. was too old. And yes, said, like, yes. Exactly. Everything else after that is incidental. The fact that I put him in the Royal Rumble, great, sounds good, whatever. He just did what he had to do, and you put him in a good feud with Savage, which we'll talk about later. And so I, I think that, I, to answer your question, Craig, not much, but I think it would have given us a little bit of an ending to the story. I, I know that sounds funny. I, I just think it would have done something. It's WrestleMania. It's I mean, WrestleMania. don't you? Yeah, like, I mean, I agree. Like, like, like that match, I don't, I don't care, like, who you are or what you think about wrestling. If you were a wrestling fan in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, like Flair versus, Flair versus Hogan should have happened, but it should have happened at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. It should yeah. not have and, happened at bash at the beach and like front yes, of like, yeah. like, well, like a bullshit, a bullshit set of fans like that were like, half there and half not there and like that gave a weird pop because it's fucking outdoor right. and like well, on the beach whatever i mean that I'm shit should have been in the coliseum i mean yes. like if they wanted to sell out a hundred thousand people or or whatever like you know like whatever if they wanted to sell out a huge event for wrestlemania eight eight, eight right yeah, wrestlemania eight, eight that should have been, I, that been can play, can to the life of me. Even if even if it had been oil and water, how many matches in the in the history of wrestling have been oil and water? Why not I, put that fair. match like on, why not put that match like up in front in Cuz Cuz go ahead. Cuz was Cuz was literally no, born going on this year. No, no, you got a Cuz. Uh, no, all I was gonna say is that they actually um, it's it probably really under the radar, but they actually had. A match on WWE TV Monday Night Raw. That was their last ever yeah, in match against each other. Yeah. WWE Championship match. Yeah, yeah. just a little, little so you know, little tidbit there. I just want to end to their to the little feud. I think that we should have seen egos aside a Pat Patterson produced WrestleMania oh, yeah. main event. One hundred percent changed the game. Because Rumble 92, just seeing them kind of face-to-face for the first time and touching each other, like what have yep. you, or each other, yeah, that, that whole drama, you give oh, yeah. me a pattern, you figure it out in the ring, I mean, figure it out beforehand, the story, mm, and a Patterson yeah. produced. And it was, by eight. the way, I mean, we, we've talked about it before, the graphic was put up, the original yeah. main event for Mania yeah. 8 was Hogan was and Flair. Flair, it was yeah. the graphic that was put up, 
And then something happened. Hogan and Vince had a shitty relationship and it fell apart fast. And then they separated it and it became Savage and Flair against uh, Sid and Hogan. I want I to leave you, but we're going to move on. I get you, brother. I, I want to leave <laughs> lead into Randy Savage, which is another mm. one of Flair big feuds. Much better. Uh, Much better. Who actually Flair jobbed out to in the same fashion that Dave disagreed to, that Hogan should be. But that's so different. It's completely same, different. Uh, but, but their feud was a classic tone. And here's why I loved Flair and Savage. Flair pushed Savage's buttons always. Like, there was never... Savage is so easily rumbled. All Flair had to do was be like, I want to fuck Elizabeth. And Flair and Savage was like, what the fuck is running? And he would just lose his shit. It didn't matter. Like, Flair, all he had to do was say, I have pictures of Elizabeth. I smelt her underwear one time. I like the shoes she's wearing. Like, everything. And Flair, and Flair would just push his buttons. Uh, they saved some cards that would otherwise have been forgettable. There's so many times that Flair wrestled uh, uh, Savage and forgettable cards, but because they were on the card, I was like, that was, I, I want to watch that again because of Flair and Savage. Their notable matches was April 5, 1992 at WrestleMania eight for the WWF world championship. Uh, it was so a really, that was a really fucking good match. And it's one of the best WrestleMania matches you should go back and watch for sure. Absolutely. Uh, June the 18th, 1995, one of my personal favorites at the great American bash WCW. It was for no world title. However, I don't know why I love this match so much. It was fucking great. It was physical, uh, flair and savage always put emotions on the line. And by the way, in the early, um, uh, years of nitro flair and savage wrestled all the time for the WCW championship oh, yeah. and traded back and forth. And like, I really believe that Randy Savage and flair, that feud is super underrated. They had some of the yes. funnest matches, and they really lit up WCW for me. We um, should have been, we should have been talking about this feud way more than the Hogan. I, player. yes. Okay. That's why I said, I kind of wanted to leave Hogan for last to talk about it. Was it a fart or was it a good thing? But, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad we talked about this. So why has Randy Savage not surrendered? You've got that look on your face too. So now yeah. I want to go to the factions that Flair was a part of. Let me t- let me tell you here. So I'm going to bring up the first. The Four Horsemen is the obvious uh, faction. Yeah. Flair, by the way, I don't think anybody will disagree on this podcast. Flair is the Four Horsemen. He's yeah. been a part there, of There's every- no Four Horsemen without him. He is one of yes. He has been he has been a part of every single version of the Four Horsemen. Uh they were formed in 1985 with Flair Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard, and they were managed by J.J. Dillon. The final version of the Horsemen was in 1999. So they went all the way from 85 to 99 with Flair, Benoit, and Malenko, and Arn with the manager. Um, All the Horsemen include, I'm going to give you a full list of the four Horsemen here. Ric Flair, Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Lex Luger, Barry Windham, Sting, Sid Vicious, Paul Roma, Brian Brian Pillman, <laughs> Chris, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Steve Mongo McMichael, Kurt Henning, and Jeff Jarrett, sort of. Uh, on, <laughs> one, one day. One day. 
of Who the horsemen. What do you horsemen. think was the best Italian. four of the four horsemen? What was well, the best four incarnations? Oh, the best four like, set. Oh, oh, like, to me, the, it was uh, the best incarnation. I think uh, Cuz is going to agree with me on this one. Uh, it's going to be Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and Barry Windham. Barry Windham, yeah. Yeah. Joe? What do okay. You think? Of yep. the actual the incarnations that occurred, I agree 100%. Uh, Tully, Arn, Flair, Flair, and Windham. But if you could do a fantasy booking of the Damn horse. It. That's what I was going to oh, say. No, no. I, of the ones that are in. Of all the names right here, who would be the four that would be the best of all the generations? Fuck, of of like, of like from start to finish, of all like the the fourteen members or whatever. Okay, so they have to have already been horsemen, in other words. Okay, so like, like, you know, I mean, from 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 Mongo, you know, I mean, you could make the best from from eighty five to Mongo, Oli, and uh, Sting. Okay, Uh, that that could be your best. That could uh, be your best lineup. I want, I want to do, I want to do Wyndham, Sting, and Benoit. And Flair, obviously. Yeah, Flair's well, Flair, Flair has to be in it. Well, yeah. Flair has no, to. No, be in it. Like, I'm, I'm gonna throw Flair out. I'm gonna go with Roma, Vicious. <laughs> <laughs> Roma's the best. That's what I said. Best Horseman ever. Oh fuck, Craig. I don't know. Fucking save me. What do you? I'll. I mean, I'll go. I. I think it needs Tully, Arn, and Flair, and then I'll add Luger instead of Wyndham. Oh shit! Oh, snap. Ooh. Damn, that's good. That's a good one. Because Luger was never in it with uh, Arn and Tully, right? No, he wasn't with Arn and Tully. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. So those four. Yes. That's what, yeah, that's, so that's it was the way you like it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's such a wild that's card. That's the way you like it, though. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Flair, I mean, Flair, Arn, Tully, and Luger was uh, actually a great combination. I mean, could you imagine was, the Wyndham and awesome. Sting together a, working like, at? Yeah. But then who do you kick out? But yeah, old uh, Tully, right? Ooh, I'm going to vomit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think I think if I had to fantasy it, like I would, I actually, oh. I mean, because I view Blanchard and Anderson as a shit. tag team, so that's hard for me to split them. Even though yeah, I yeah, love it's Anderson, hard, it's hard yeah. to split them up. Like it's so hard for me to split. But Anderson's up. been in there without him, so it's not a big deal. I feel oh. like I feel like if Benoit had been born Ooh. ten years yes. younger, yeah. he would have been fucking amazing. Like that would have been like I feel yeah. like Benoit was like a born horseman. Okay, uh, addition, you yeah. know. And so Malenko, I think, actually, I think Malenko. Yeah, Malenko's. Like, I feel like Benoit and Malenko were like the new coming of, of like Aunt, uh, Blanchard and Anderson. I still love my favorite of the Flair, Anderson, Blanchard, and, and Wyndham, but I will do Flair, Anderson, Blanchard, and Henning. Ooh. That, I, I was actually gonna do Flair, Benoit, Henning, and Wyndham. Oh. Yeah. I was close to that one. But too, I was also thinking about trading out Henning for. So Flamingo. excited right now. So uh, yeah, fantasy booking is always fun. <laughs> but Jess, I have to tell you, I I, I enjoyed your next faction probably a, a little bit more. Yes. I know that sounds so weird. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I love more, this. I, I love more this. modern wrestling fan will love Evolution. And uh, I love Evolution. It was the inclusion the of Ric Flair because of Triple H. So you got to give him credit for that. Even though Flair yeah, was way past good. his prime here. The group yep. was formed in 2002 with Flair, Triple H, Batista, I and Randy it. Orton. Ultimately, the group ended in 05, but they were a major part of the ruthless aggression era. And uh, they yeah. split up in between, but there was never think any new marriage. Only those four were always think, the always the evolution. Think, always. think about that for the second. Where, you know, obviously where we started with Flair's career here in uh, 77, and now we're here. But think about that you can say in the ruthless aggression era, guys that made it were like Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan. The Undertaker, <laughs> Kurt Angle, <laughs> Triple H, Bucky not even Hogan so Randy much. Orton. To be honest, Hogan, what I, I enjoyed a little bit, but I mean, like he left. You know what I mean? He was kind of gone. I mean, here, yeah. He, yeah. he had the Undertaker feud. He had the Brock Lesnar match. He had the Kurt I, Angle. I he appreciate had, you. Dude, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hogan had a lot of matches. I mean, like, like WrestleMania 18, 19. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, well, I guess you're right. That's a ruthless yeah, direction. I think Flair yeah. kind of spanned further than that, though. Hogan, yeah. yeah. Hogan I mean, came in 2000. Flair lost to Michaels in 08. Yes. I love how I mean, and that match is considered to be still match of the year. It was just crazy that that yeah. roster. It was, you know, yes, that time period too. Though. I just, I just love how an evolution Flair kind of becomes the the. I don't want to say wise man because he's not. I don't say he's old. The JJ Dillon. He he becomes that guy who kind of whispers in Triple H's ear and, and then laughs about it. And, goes, and he yeah, won he won tag titles up, on uh, two occasions yeah. for Batista. Yeah, they they carried yeah, a lot of gold in this. Great, great, yeah. A lot of gold. Evolution Evolution was a really good group, and 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 regardless of Flair being in there, but I think Flair was a great addition. I'm glad he was. I love that yeah. Flair was in there because it got to keep. Uh, it just made sense. Yeah, it, it got to keep that current wrestling audience yeah. educated on Ric well, Flair, and I appreciate that. And in that current audience. um you got to remember that his stuff with Edge was fucking great too. Yes. No. And uh, this one, before we get into the awards and accomplishments uh, in championships, I should say, uh, I want to talk about the number of titles that he has won is skewed. You know, like the world title that he's won. Yeah. So WWF went back. So before uh, w, uh, WCW was bought out, they never included the Tatsumi Fujinami victory over Ric Flair in Japan. And then Flair beat him in the rematch at Super Bowl 91. They never included that. WWF did. And I think WWF did that because they always kind of put Cena up against Flair as Cena was rising. They were like, and I think they realized, oh, fuck, Cena might tie him on this title win. And then they freaked out. And then WWF went back. If you go to Wikipedia, it even specifically says WCW never recognized this world title loss, but WWF retroly went back and recognized the title loss and win from Fujinami. Does that take Flair. him to 16, Jess? Well, it added it more than that, actually. So oh, I, yeah, it's it's disputed. Flair is in the 21 or 22. There's also Flair's like, in the 20s. Yeah. There, yeah. There's also uh, like Flair lost the title in New Zealand to well, Harley Race and then yes, won yes. it in in singapore like six and, days and, later and cuba? that nobody cuba? that nobody counts yes. you know so it's like yeah. i mean there's a lot of like there's, there's so many of, ones yeah he lost like against that. uh carlos cologne in cuba but never left because the fans started rioting so the announcer made up a thing how carlos won the title even though he never really did and just to get <laughs> flair back alive because the crowd yeah. was gonna fucking kill him like legitly kill him like so there's a lot of things where flair back and forth like six times that was unrecognized by the NWA back in the day to get him out of territories, which further shows how amazing he was in the territories and how real wrestling was. How to fans really wanted that. him beat when it was better. So I'm going to go here. Let's do the Crockett NWA and WCW titles all Ooh. in one here. here uh, he was the United States champion six times combination between the Crockett and the WCW. Uh, Cause he did win the WCW uh, US title from uh, Conan in 1996. Um, wow. The Mid-Atlantic Television Champion two times, the NWA World Tag Team Champions three times, two with Greg Valentine, one with Blackjack Mulligan. He was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion ten times. He was the WCW World Heavyweight Champion seven times, which <sighs> just between those two is 17. 
Uh, in the WWF and WWE, he was the world heavyweight champion two times. That puts him at 20 without any altercations, and including the other victories, like I told you guys. So technically, he's 20 times. However, Who did he beat for they, the IC title. Uh, he beat fuck Jericho. Jericho, I think. Yeah, I think it was wow, Jericho. That's fun. No, it was Carlos. I'm sorry, it was uh, Carlito. 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 Yes, it was Carlito. Um, uh, he was also the WWF Intercontinental Champion one time by beating Carlito. Uh, he was the Tag Team Champions two times with Batista and one time with Roddy Piper, so a total of three times. Uh, wow. He was the NWA Hall of Fame Class of 2008. He was the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame Class of 1996. He was the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Class of 2006. He was the WWE Hall of Fame two times. One in 2008 for singles and one in 2012 for the Horsemen. Uh, now for his awards, he would, for the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is our magazine. Uh, he was Feud of the Year in 1988 and 1990 with Lex Luger. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was also Feud of the Year in 1999 with Terry Funk. There you go. He was the Inspirational Wrestler of the Year in 2008. That's when he won the AC title. So he, he won uh, Feud no, of no, the sorry, Year he retired. Three, three years in a row. That's what you're saying. Yes, that's when he retired wow. uh, a few of the year. Yeah, he retired in 2008, so he got inspirational wrestling year 2008. He was match of the year in 1983 versus Harley Race. Uh, he was match of the year in 1984 against Kerry Von Erich. He was match of the year in 1986 against Dusty Rhodes, the Great American Mash. He was match of the year in 1989 against Ricky Steamboat at Russell War. He was match of the year in 2008 against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania wow. when he retired. Uh, he won match of the decade from 2000 to 2009 against Shawn Michaels. Uh, he was most hated wrestler of the year in 1978 and 1987. Uh, he was rookie of the year in 1975. He won the Stanley Weston Award in 2008. He was wrestler of the year in, in PWI, 1981, 1984, 1985, 1986, 1989, and 1992. He was the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Wrestler of the Decade for the 1980s, like we talked about in a previous episode. He was ranked the number three of the top 500 wrestler in the PWI 500 in 91, 92, and 94. He was ranked number two overall in the top 500 in the 2003 edition. I don't know who was number one. I'm assuming don't worry it about it. Nobody knows. I'm assuming it was Michaels. Um, but yeah, uh, in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, he was the best heel of 1990. He was the best promo of 91, 92, and 94. In my opinion, he was the best promo every fucking year. The heat is on. Here's the world champion, Rick The heat is on, you know. I got to have David Crockett over here for this because David Crockett, the illustrious announcer and vice president of Jim Crockett Promotions, always likes to tell the wrestling public something special when Ric Flair gets knocked down or Luger gets put to sleep or Arna Tully trip over their feet by accident. Come on, David! Explain what just happened on national TV to the legend Dusty Rhodes and to Heads of Stone Ronnie Garvin. What just happened? Here. Uh, <laughs> He was the hardest worker in 1982. He's the hardest worker in 1982, 1984, 1985, 1986, 1987, and 1988. He was feud of the year against Terry Funk in 89. He was match of the year in 83 against Harley Race. He was match of the year in 86 against Wyndham. He was match of the year in 88 against Sting and Clash Champions 1. He was match of the year in 1990 against Ricky Steamboat. Their two out of three falls match, not the Russ War match. Uh, he was the most charismatic from 1980, 1982, 83, 84, and 93. 
He was the most outstanding wrestler from 1986, 1987, and 1989. He was the favorite wrestler of the Wrestling Observer newsletters from 1984, 1985, 1986, 1987, he was also inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 1986. That is Ric Flair. And I had to cut some awards and accomplishments out because it got a bit redundant. I, what do you think, though? Like, I mean, like, like, like uh, us talking here on this podcast, like, what do you actually think? I mean, take away, like, the awards, take away, the, like, what do you think Ric Flair's actual legacy is? I think that it's hard work. I think that there's not a lot of people, especially wrestling fans that come across now, that understand what the territories were. We barely understood that as wrestling fans because we really, even though I know Joe did introduce me to NWA slash WCW, the rest mm -hmm. of us really kind of jumped in with WWF because it was everywhere. He was syndicated yeah. everywhere. We had no choice. Um, and really, I'm, I'm glad I did because then I, I can come back later and appreciate the NWA, WCW. But to, to do what he did in the territories, I don't know. <laughs> There's nobody ever after him. So when people say that Shawn Michaels is the greatest in ring performer of all time, I'm like, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to debate I mean, you in that sense because I don't feel that he ever even did close to the same thing. Now, did Shawn Michaels do a lot of stuff on the big stage, like WrestleMania oh, performances? Yeah. Absolutely. But I think every day was WrestleMania for Flair in the sense that he had to go to these unknown territories. Who am I wrestling tonight? The Junkyard Dog? Okay, he could do four moves, but I got to fucking make him look like he's Hulk Hogan of the Carolinas. I got to make Butch Reed look like he's Hulk Hogan of the Floridas. I got to make, uh, you know, so-and-so oh, look like he's this. Yeah, and I just – I don't think anybody can understand how much pressure that was, what they they put on his back as being this international heavyweight champion. He even went to Japan as an heavyweight champion. Yeah. I don't – I think that his legacy, Joe, it's hard to answer that question. But And then he goes to WWF, the, the cartoon company, and he's top heel there, and Vince – tributes him and give it like pays tribute to the 60 minute oh, yeah. and name lets him win the Royal rumble, all that stuff. And, and he wins two world titles there. God, man, I think his legacy is, uh, is working yeah. is putting his character over and being probably the greatest heel besides Vince McMahon, as far as character is concerned and wrestling history. I think flair is the greatest heel because he had to perform that Vince could be interviews and, and, and say, well, I tonight I'm going to make the rock come out and fight you. And Oh, what a heel. Fuck you, Vince. And Vince was great. Don't get me wrong. But flair was this working heel that had to go into every territory and be this cocksucker you hated. And I, I'll get your women. I'm the best. I ride jets. You guys ride a car. Fucking losers. I'm in a jet. I can afford it. As a matter of fact, I shit out $100,000 yesterday, um, and I forgot it. It's in my shoes. As a matter of fact, I made that <laughs> for my shoes. And it was everything like he did. It, it was as primitive as the 80s were. There was no internet. There was no cable. Oh, there was cable, but it wasn't like so widespread. Flair had to do all this regional work that made him like the greatest of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree. I think that's his legacy is hard work. I mean, I don't think there. I don't think. I, I don't think there's ever been somebody else that like contributed as much and was willing to sacrifice as much oh, yeah. as as Flair. You know, I'm like, I'm like, there. You know, Austin, Rock, Hogan, obviously contributed as much, if not more. But they were also, you know, 
like, I, I don't want to lose that guy. It's not gonna, it's not gonna work for me, brother. Yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna. You know, oh, you want me to lose to so and so? Yeah, I don't want to do that. Michaels, I mean, don't even put Michaels in the same conversation. Michaels yeah. is shit. Fuck um, me. like, <clears throat> whoa, like, oh, I'm not, oh, I'm not losing this person, you know, whatever. Like, it's like, well, check type one, two, three. That's, that's, that's the business. I mean, flair, like in and out. I mean, like, you know, like. That, that to me is part of like like uh as much as part of his legacy is that like as much as he like lived his his character inside and outside of the ring his contribution to the ring but his contribution to the business you know like that like he was like i'll do anything for it i think that's a huge so I think much in fact that he never wanted to retire he literally never wanted to retire never wanted to wrestle for i mean he, he tried couldn't do it detriment of his legacy because most people are like like most people are like why are you still why are you going to tna well i just you know it's like that actually is fucking your legacy this is fucking your i mean you could you could actually argue anything after evolution fucked his legacy you yeah. know or whatever like that it was like oh just tarnish 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 but uh he's, he's yeah. the guy who just I, wanted to do he wanted to be in the line you know? he, I, wanted, I, I he wanted to continue to be rick flair i think at the time this is kind of Piggyback off that too. I think at the time people thought, oh, tarnish, 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 but I, I don't think about it anymore. I don't think about those those things that he had done that might have, you know, that we talk about could tarnish the legacy. Because when I think of evolution, I work my way back and I think about what Flair has, you said, accomplished and, and contributed to wrestling has spanned so much in so many different federations and so many different uh, audiences from, from Japan to to uh, a cable syndicate in, in the South to saying, I can go on the big leagues. I, I can go to this national syndicate of these giants and still work and still make it and still make it in the land of the giants and the cartoon characters. And, and then to take that all the way into evolution into the early two thousands and still maybe with a little bit of a confidence, confidence, Mr. Triple H. Cause he even said I was, I, I had no confidence and he still goes out there and tears the house down in a match. And they're like, yes. you're Ric Flair. That was great. Like, was it good? He, the whole time, to your point, was it was it good though? And I, I think he might have held himself to a standard. Now, once you get to the bar, the <laughs> the, the persona's back, right? And all the confidence oh, yeah. is back, whether it's real or not. But when, but he definitely had issues towards the end when he was still tearing the house down because it wasn't maybe to his standard. And I think that says a lot about the person that that, that we're talking about. He's he went through so much in a realm of what wrestling used to be into what it is with evolution and even beyond that. He he still adapted. He he carries through longer than most people in multiple genres of wrestling and was still relevant and still valuable. Yeah. I don't know how many people you can I, I mean, even with Hogan, I don't think Hogan pushed as far as Flair did Stop into it. other realms of the of the genres of wrestling. <laughs> I'll think I'll piggyback off you like you piggyback off Joe. I, I think uh, during those years, it's not, I don't view it as tarnished. I think it's just like Joe said, contributing. And I think he just, can, yeah. instead of looking at it as tarnishing it, he's contributing. Cause like, that's, that's what I was saying earlier, man. It's like, I know like when you guys were in it, you guys were in it when it was current, when Flair was currently fighting Rhodes and staying in steam. But you caught blah, evolution blah. at the height, right? Well, I, I saw Flair, you know, in 92. I think that was actually my first exposure okay. to Ric Flair was 92. But then, you know, obviously I became the heart, like how you guys were hardcore fans during that area. And not saying you're not now, but I'm just saying like that's when you guys went from casual to being hardcore fans was early in that time. I went from being a casual as a kid, not really understanding to being a hardcore in the into uh, the attitude era. 
I knew who Flair was by then. I knew all about him. I knew, you know, his legacy. So I just think it's so crazy. And I think it's kind of underappreciated the fact of his run in the 2002, 2003, 2004, because it's like you look at his name and legacy and look now he's bumping elbows with The Rock. He had a match with The Rock the few months after he fought Hogan on Live on the Night Raw. He had a match with The Edge. He had matches with Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, like all these guys. It's like, geez, man. They're good. Even if they're, good yeah, I think they're good yeah. matches. And we didn't even, even touch the, the, the NWO I mean, legacy. Like he, exactly. went, he was part of the Monday Night Wars with the NWO versus yeah. the yeah. So he Fire me. I'm already fired. And I think I'm already fired. I'm already fired. But to me, when I think Ric Flair, I still think <laughs> NWA, WCW. I think that's his big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's his. Uh, Craig, Redwin bring, us, Craig, bring us home. Yeah, bring us home, baby. I cannot say it uh, better than I think what you guys have already said. Uh, truly, I think just to me, he's uh, he's Ric Flair. I think he's the greatest um, ambassador for the sport in the 80s and 90s um, than anyone that was not under McMahon's tutelage. Uh, and into like to to maybe take it a little bit back from that, he said he's the greatest kind of wrestler's wrestler. Uh, that ever existed and the the guy that tried to keep the territories together when it was being swallowed um swallowed apart by vince mcmahon and on and on the national front and he was the the last of best hope for what wrestling was in its golden years and kind of before it was completely swallowed up and then the the biggest kind of all-around performer of like look gimmick promo charisma technique storytelling psychology what have you so um he kept the chase persona alive actually that's a really good statement like when yeah. you think about it like he he held on to anti wwe not because he was anti vince yeah. and i think flair always knew that like vince is a genius and like there's a lot of money there yeah. but i think he held on to that as long as he could until he finally said i yeah. have to go Yes. Like until, you know, Turner just totally after it bought WCW and it just collapsed and they put some Yahoo like Jim Hurd in charge. Flair's finally terrible. like, I, I got to go. Terrible. I got to go, man. I don't I don't want to go. I was I always represented this side of it, but now I got to go. Yeah. And then he went and he was the world champion in WWF. Like, yeah. it, great. it just it's it, he's the la- he is the last link to that territorial area he did not want to let it die but he had to finally realize it's been dead for a while i gotta go like and then left and And that's why he's that's recharged himself and came back around you know with a tear in my eye that's that's what he he (laughs) believed he's right remember it it really is true i know we're looking into a little harder but he he really meant that with a tear in my eye as in like i fought all through the late 70s and 80s for this motherfuckers so i gotta say with a tear in my eye this is the greatest title he's holding it up. Yeah. God damn it. Like, damn it. Like I fought so hard for this, not to be the greatest world title, but it is like, it is. It is. He won Vince won, Hogan won, whatever you want to say. Like and they now won. some of the, yeah. some of the greatest wrestling that we're seeing today, um, SmackDown with Roman is, it's a pure chase. Exactly. What? Yeah. They, now, now they have to, they're the only show in town. So what's the smart move to do? Let's do a do chase, chase of a heel. Let's chase the oh, yeah. chase. And, and Roman's every time I see that, yeah. every time anybody does it, no matter what that's, promotion, that, that, impact, NWA, move. I see it like that's, that's New Japan. In the flare position. Yeah. New Japan. Yeah, he's, he's in, in the flare, flare position. position. That heel, that heels in the flare You don't position. call it the heel chase position. You call it the flare position because he personifies chase. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff. I like it. As the greatest of all time, Stone Cold said, Flair is the greatest in ring performer ever. There you go. 
As the for greatest audio, of all time said, what you can do. In, oh, you know, no. For audio fans, give us a listen to Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, <laughs> iHeartRadio, Get Google that podcast. trash out of here. Or watch our videos on YouTube at our wrestling channel. On social media, give us a follow because we appreciate it. On Instagram or Twitter, OWP2019. It's still cool. Or on Facebook slash Meta at our wrestling podcast. Cuz, make sure you got all that in. This is Dave, Jess, Craig, Joe, Cuz with the OWP signing off. Have a good one.